Well, we're beginning the new year, uh, starting a new sermon series that at least right now I think is going to be a five-week series. Uh, It's a series on friendship, relationships, that I've titled Friends Need Be Make. Now, I realize that might be a little bit abstract, so here's the idea. The idea is that we need friends. We need to be the kind of people that other folks want to be friends with, and we need to reach out and make new friends. And so each week of this series, we will deal with one of those aspects of friendship. I think it's an important topic. Uh, I think this is an important series because it seems to me that we live in a time of increasing loneliness, increasing loneliness. And more than just seeming that way to me, sociologists and psychologists are telling us that this is true. At least in our own context here in the United States, there is a good deal of evidence that people are increasingly experiencing loneliness, increasingly feeling lonely. Some have gone so far as to call the time that we live in the age of loneliness. Isn't that sad that people would look at the time we live in and describe it that way, the age of loneliness? It's estimated that one in five Americans suffer from chronic loneliness. And that's not to count all of the other people that experience loneliness uh, to some degree, but, but one in five suffer from chronic loneliness, and research is showing that chronic loneliness raises the risk of physical and psychological problems, including depression and heart disease. Now, there are a lot of causes uh, of loneliness. Uh, I'm not going to be able to uh, give you an exhaustive list, but, but here are some things that contribute to loneliness. It can be the result of a lifetime of experiences that, that lead us to a place of feeling lonely. It can occur after a major transition in your life or a major trauma uh, has come into our lives. Uh, Circumstances of childhood development can influence us toward feeling lonely. Of course, low self-esteem can cause someone who is perfectly well-liked by other people to isolate themselves and become imprisoned by loneliness. There are many social and situational factors that can lead to loneliness, things like divorce, Things like singleness, being single when you don't want to be single. Things like having been widowed. A relocation can uh, lead to loneliness. You know, we live in an increasingly mobile culture. People, people move all, all over the place. And, and many people, their careers cause them to move over and over and over uh, again with each one of those moves contributing perhaps to Uh, feelings of loneliness, and technology is making us more lonely. And uh, this is one of the things that in my own life and in the lives of my uh, children and for all of you that I think about all the time is what technology is doing to us, what a wonderful tool it is, Uh, but but what uh, horrible unintended consequences sometimes accompany Uh, technology. We're trading in-person interactions for the more convenient but less fulfilling interactions 
of social media. And increasingly, we're retreating into individualistic entertainment, where even when we're sitting in the room with other people, we are isolated in our own form, our own little experience of whatever entertainment has our attention. <laughs> That's actually all I have to say on that specific topic, Adele, but... It, it, <laughs> It, it, does, it does warrant more. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Loneliness. None of us are beyond its reach. Some of us here today, perhaps more than any of us would dream, are chronically in its grasp. It is a growing problem that leads to even more problems in our lives. And God who created us and knows us better than we know ourselves, knew that loneliness was going to be a potential problem for his creations. And so from the beginning, God had an answer for the problem of loneliness. And here's what we read in Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then if you skip down to the second part of verse 20. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Now, in these verses, we obviously find the institution uh, of marriage as God places Adam and Eve together as husband and wife. But there's something going on here that's more general than that. Within these verses, they, they contain an acknowledgement from God. They contain the acknowledgement that in addition to having a relationship with God, man needed relationship, companionship, friendship with others like himself. The, the application here goes beyond just marriage. That, that God recognized we needed a relationship with other people like us. Adam had a relationship with God. But, but God recognized that Adam also needed to be in community with other human beings. More generally, even than marriage, friends. God intended Adam and Eve to be friends. Husband and wife, he intends you to be friends. More generally than even marriage, friends are God's answer for loneliness. And of course, marriage is part of that. Relationships with other people are a key part of God's plan to help mankind avoid loneliness. Community is God's answer for loneliness. Like Adam, we need a relationship with God and we need relationships, friendships with other people. We need community. And so that's what this series is about. Friends need be make. We need friends. We should be the kind of people that others want to be friends with. 
and we need to put forth the effort to make friends. Today, our focus is on the most important friendship in our lives. It's the friendship that we need more than any other friendship. The friendship that we need above all others, the foundational friendship in our lives is friendship with God. It's friendship with God. In my view, this is the place where any series on friendship and overcoming loneliness has to begin. You see, the main cause of loneliness, responsible for more loneliness than relocation or divorce or bad childhood experiences, the main cause of loneliness is separation from God. It's the main cause of loneliness. Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Remember the famous quote from St. Augustine, I've referenced it a few times recently, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. We're made for friendship with God. So when we are separated from God, separated from friendship with God, of course, Loneliness is going to result. Of course, loneliness is going to be a problem. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that you're separated from God because of your sins. God loves you. God desires a relationship with you. God is not mad at you. But your sins have separated you from him and being separated from the one that you were made to be in friendship with is the primary cause of the loneliness that you feel. Yes, there are likely other factors contributing to your loneliness. And yes, God knows that you need good human relationships as well. That's what much of the series is going to be about. But if you never deal with the separation between you and God, you're going to resign yourself to a lifetime of loneliness. When you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, you enter into a communion, a relationship, a friendship with the creator of the universe that satisfies in a way that no other relationship can. It's vitally important. If you're feeling lonely and you cannot figure out why, you have close friends, you're well accepted, you're well liked, but you're lonely. If you've never received Christ, I can tell you with confidence that you are not going to get rid of that loneliness apart from Jesus, apart from a relationship with God. So if you're lonely and it doesn't make sense, and you've never come to Christ and you've never received him, that's the first thing that you should do if you're tired of being lonely. And I can't imagine that you're not tired of being lonely. And you can do that today. You can come to Christ in faith today and receive him.
For those of us who have received Christ as Savior, Isaiah 59.2 still has application for us. Because the reality is our sins still separate us from God. Not in the sense that we lose our salvation, but in the sense that our relationship with God becomes strained. We start feeling uncomfortable with God because of our sin. And so we pull away from him. And when we pull away from God, the most important friendship in our lives we get lonely because we were created for friendship with him and we've allowed something to come between us and our friend, between us and the most important friendship in our lives. Christian, if you're lonely and it doesn't make sense, you have friends, you're well-liked, there's a good chance that there is something off in your relationship with God that needs attention. And if you want to escape that loneliness, you're going to need to address your friendship with God. You're going to need to recover your friendship with God through confession and repentance and recommitment. Recommitment. The main cause of loneliness is separation from God. And the most important consideration in escaping loneliness is maintaining close friendship with God. If you are lonely, this is the most important consideration for you. You see, friendship with God is absolutely the greatest need in our lives. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. God recognized our need for human friendships. God provided human companionship for us. It's, it's so important that, that, that you know, we, we read what we did in Genesis. Like God identified this as a, as a need and, and this is going to be what the rest of the series is about. But our greatest need always has been and always will be friendship with God. A relationship with God needs to be the foundational friendship of our lives for many reasons. And here is one of them. It is the relationship that provides our identity. It's the relationship from which we gain our identity, from which we gain our self-image, at least from which we gain a correct self-image. Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Romans 8.15 and 16 the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, by Christ, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Consider all of the good news that's found in these verses, all of the affirming truths, all of the self-image, self-esteem boosting truths. 
We are created in the image of God. You're created in the image of God. God looked at his creation. He looked at mankind. And because God knew you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, God looked at you. And he determined, this is all very good. It's good. God is our father. We are his children. And we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And here's a key thing. A reason that friendship with God is so important. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When we have a relationship with God, when we're walking in friendship with God, instead of being separated from Him, the Spirit of God confirms and affirms the truths that we need to believe about ourselves to have a good self-image, to have good self-esteem. The Spirit confirms who we are, confirms our identity, that we are children of God, created in the image of God, that we have value as both created and adopted sons of God. Our identity, our worth come from God. And when we're walking in friendship with God, the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit of what is true about us. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're not a nobody. The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you're not a nobody no matter how many people have treated you that way. The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you are not worthless even if someone's attempted to make you feel that you are. The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you're not disposable even if so-called friends have treated you that way. You bear the image of God. You're a child of God. You have value and worth because of who you are to God. And when we walk in friendship with God, all of this gets affirmed to our spirit by the Holy Spirit. Our friendship with God provides our identity, forms a proper self-image that allows us to deal with the mistreatment that often befalls us at the hands of imperfect human friends. Our relationship with God needs to be our foundational friendship because God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Every human friendship can, and at some point probably will, fail you, disappoint you, let you down. But God is reliable. God is a friend that sticks closer than the closest human friendship. 
You see, your closest friend in all of the world cannot be with you 24-7. But God can, and he is. When you walk into work on a Monday and the boss is already angry and looking for someone to take out his frustration on, you know, the day started at 8 and he's, he's mad at 8.03. How many of you have experienced that? Well, thankfully, not very many of you. When that happens, your best buddy, you know, if your next door neighbor happens to be your best buddy, your, your best buddy next door, he, he really can't do much for you. He, he can't be there with you to face the angry boss. But God is. God's there. When you walk around the corner of the grocery store aisle and you run straight into someone that you're in conflict with and your heart begins to race. I mean, have you had that happen at Kroger in Pataskala? <laughs> your best girlfriend can't be there in that moment to help you with that. But God's there with you. He's there to help you with it. When you're told you have to have open heart surgery like our brother Scott McKnight had to. And all your family and friends have gone home for the night because they need sleep. And you're left in your hospital room all alone. You're not alone. Because God is with you. And he's always awake. When your human friends cannot be there for you. Not because they're bad friends, but because they're human. They have limited abilities, limited availability. God is there for you. He is the friend that sticks closer than the closest human friendship. And he's promised things in his word like, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's promised things like, I am with you always to the very end of the age. God needs to be our foundational friendship because the Bible presents him as our comforter and our counselor. In John 14, 26, depending on the translation of the Bible that you use, the Holy Spirit who lives within every single believer is called either the comforter, the counselor, the helper, or the advocate. Translators have had a hard time settling on which one to use there. Thankfully, there's not a bad translation in the bunch because the Holy Spirit is all of those things. If you need help, God is your helper. If you need counsel, God is wisdom. When you're facing accusations, God is your advocate. If you have been beat down by life and who hasn't, God is your comforter. God provides help and counsel and comfort that no one else can provide. He must be our foundational friendship, our preeminent friendship, because he can do things that no one else can do for us. 
And here's something great about God and another reason why it's so important that God be our preeminent and our foundational friendship. God is a friend that knows us better than we know ourselves. God, unlike every human friend you have, knows everything about you. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. There's not a single moment in your entire life, there is not a thought that you have ever had that God doesn't know about. He knows you so well that he knows you better than you know yourself. And this makes friendship with God so important, vitally important. You see, your closest friend, your closest friend in the whole world, doesn't even know every thought that you've ever had. They don't. You have had thoughts that no one in the world knows you've had but you. You have experienced emotions that no one in the world knows you've experienced but you. Many of us have had a fear at some point in our lives that we never told anyone about. We faced a temptation that we never admitted to anyone Most of us have had some discouragement come to us in life that we never told another human being about. We've had mistreatments that we've never talked about. Subtle mistreatments that did damage to our soul that we've never opened up about, even to our closest friend, because maybe it was at the hand of the closest friend. Here's the point... There is a place in our minds, there is a place in our existence that even the closest human friend never gets into. It's unreachable to everyone but us. It's a place where we deal with the things we don't want to say to anyone or that we feel but we can't articulate very well. Or it's the deep emotions that exist that no one else can really reach, like how we have to deal uh, with things when we have been rejected. Or, or that place deep in our being that, that is just us when we're facing a serious health crisis. My point, and I don't mean to be discouraging <laughs> with this, though, though it can, uh, if, if you don't understand where I'm taking us, can be a bit discouraging. My point is that there is a sense in which no matter how close we are to someone else, we are still alone. There, there's still a place that they can't get to. I can love you and care for you and offer help to you. But there is an aspect of dealing with rejection or fear or pain that goes to a depth that no other human being can ever get to in you. We can love each other and care for each other and help each other. But when it comes our time to die, there is a deep place within us as we face that, that no one else can get to. 
no matter how much they want to. They want to be in there with us. They cannot get to that place. And this is why God has to be our preeminent, our foundational friendship. Because where we cannot go for each other, what we cannot provide for each other, God is already there. In the deepest place of our being, and God can provide for us what our closest human friend can't. You've had thoughts or feelings that even your spouse doesn't know about. But you've never had a thought or a feeling that God doesn't know about. He knows everything. Every thought, every fear, every unshared emotion, every fleeting temptation, every mistreatment. God knows it all. Romans 8, 26 and 27 tell us this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't even know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts, I can't search your heart. You can't search the heart of your best friend, but God can. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Here, here's my translation of that. I, I think it is a, is a fair and, and appropriate translation. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. When our disappointment and confusion and hurts are so great that we don't have any clue how to respond and can't even articulate what we feel, the Holy Spirit gets busy providing what we need because he knows our hearts, knows every thought and emotion we have, even those we don't express, and knows exactly what will help us and so intercedes for us consistent with the will of God. God must be our foundational friendship because only through God being the friend that completely knows us are we able to fully escape the reach of loneliness. Friends are, human friends are important and helpful. They are given to us by God himself. But there are some needs that only God can meet. That's why he has to be. He has to be our preeminent and foundational friendship. And that leads to the next point on your outline. Friendship with God is the relationship that provides the foundation for all other relationships. Now, I am not suggesting in saying that that unbelievers don't have real and meaningful friendships. I happen to believe that friendship is a common grace that God wants to provide for all people. So, of course, I believe that unbelievers have real and meaningful friendships. It remains true, however, that all other friendships are benefited 
If a person has a foundational friendship with Christ, and it remains true that friendships are negatively impacted when our relationship with God is not right. Remember Adam and Eve. They got along swimmingly as long as their relationship with God was right. And then they messed up their relationship with God. And what happened? Adam turned on Eve. It's her fault. Men have been saying that for (laughs) millennia since. It's her fault. What is? Whatever we're talking about. (laughs) Whatever we're talking about. Don't even need to know the topic. It's her fault. So they messed up their relationship with God. It messed up their relationship and we know everything just goes downhill from there. We, we know the story well. And so next week we're gonna shift the focus from friendship with God to, to our friendships with each other. And so in the coming weeks, we're gonna discover our need for each other. We're gonna talk about becoming the kind of person that can be a beneficial friend to other people. We'll talk about the importance of never shutting ourselves off from the possibility of continuing to make new friends and welcome new people into our lives. So our friendships with each other are very important. They are God-ordained. That they are what God determined mankind needed even at the moment where mankind was walking in perfect communion with God. God still said, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs other people like him. But as we shift to focusing on human friendships, we have to keep in mind that there are things we need that we can only get from friendship with God. So that's why he has to be our preeminent and foundational relationship. We have to keep this in mind and we have to have God be our foundational friendship because then and only then are we able to stop demanding things from our human friends that they cannot deliver for us. This is one of the biggest problems that derail perfectly good friendships. When we look to our friends to provide what only God can provide us when we expect a friend to love us perfectly, not just well. When we expect a friend to always know exactly the right words to say in any moment. When we expect a friend to never disappoint us in any way. To always take our side, whether we're right or wrong. To always be available to us to always accommodate our moods no matter how bad they are. That's just who I am. I'm a jerk. If they don't like me as a jerk, then whatever. We don't have to be friends then. That's their problem. That's not right. It's not right to always accommodate our moods no matter how bad they are. These are things that we chuckle about, but 
that people expect. Too many people expect perfection from their human friends and we're not capable of it. God's our only perfect friend. Friendship with God is the only friendship that can meet our deepest needs. And when we discover that and we live like it's true, then we are able to appreciate the gift of human friendship without placing unreasonable demands on our friends. It's really important. I expected a lot of amens, but they're cascading in my brain, whether you're saying them or not. So here's the main point for today. God needs to be your preeminent foundational friendship. And because he does, it is vitally important that we cultivate our relationship with God, that we invest in our relationship with God. And how do we do that? The answers are very simple and very well known. There are no secrets here. We do this through prayer, talking with God. We do this through reading the Bible. We do this through what you're doing today, gathering with other believers to worship the Lord together and hear the scriptures taught. We do this through a variety of other spiritual disciplines, things like service and stewardship and solitude and meditation on God's word. There are no shortcuts. And so I appeal to you today, if you have not already, make a commitment right now at the start of 2018 that this is going to be the year that you begin properly investing in your relationship with God. That you begin properly investing in the most important friendship in your life. Engaging in those disciplines that develop our friendship with God and put us in the position where we can receive what only God can provide for us. It's so important. Let's stand.